Welcome and thanks for listening to another show of The Health Zone. I'm Mihal Mahuna. Check out and like our Facebook page on www.facebook.com forward slash The Health Zone Show or follow us on Twitter on the letter D Health Zone or log on to our website on www.thehealthzoneshow.com If you subscribe to our mailing list on there, you will get The Health Zone Show delivered to your inbox every week and also you'll get a copy of our free book called How to Transform Your Health in 2016. Also, if you have any feedback on the show or if you would like to get in touch with us, our email is tunein at thehealthzoneshow.com. Today I'm talking with Derek Mills, otherwise known as the Standards Guy, who is the creator of the 10 Second Philosophy. Hello, Derek. Hello, Michal. Tell me, Derek, who are you and what do you do? I'm a, a speaker and a coach primarily. I work to help people who are in some degree uh, lost in their lives in terms of financially, um, spiritually also, and in terms of their personal development. I help people that um, know that there's more to them and that they can achieve more in the world, but haven't achieved it yet. And I do that through the spoken word, the written word, and through coaching and, uh, and seminars. And how did you get into this type of work? Uh, it's because I was one of those people. Effectively, I'd, I'd have been a perfect client for myself going back about just over 10 years ago. I was one of those people. I know we, we've all got a story, but I was a guy after 17 years um, being self-employed in my own business, was still broke and almost depressed, wondering, so how do you do this then? How do you become successful and happy? After 17 years, I wasn't. And a little over 10 years ago, I came, came upon some realizations um, from within myself to realize that, you know, there's more to me and there's more to this life um, that I've been living at that moment in time. And also that some of the things I've been taught in my life by some of the um, other experts and teachers actually had huge gaps and I was falling into those gaps and therefore not becoming successful. And can you tell me about these gaps, Derek? What were they? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty well known. I've now spoken on you know, four continents around around the world. And when I ask the audience the question around goals, everybody seems to know about the goal-setting philosophy uh, to become successful. And uh, I've been running that philosophy and setting goals. But you know, uh, after 17 years of doing it, I was still broken and depressed and not getting anywhere, not happy. So... The key distinction I realized was missing is that lots of people set their goals to, to achieve success, but they're missing the key component. And I realized that, um, that the missing component to that is the daily standards by which we operate our lives. So the daily standards are break it down to the behaviors and practices of just today. So even if you have a three-week or three-month or three-year or 20-year goal as a business or an individual, we want to put that out there and leave it there and focus on one thing and one thing only. How am I going to do me? How am I going to do my business? What are the rules, the criteria, the levels, all core standards, the basis I'm working today? Because I believe what I was missing, that I was trying to live into the future, but I was missing that being me today. I wasn't living present. I wasn't being in the now. And my gifts were just eluding me. And um, so I started living by these daily standards. And that literally changed the whole of my life around. And then, of course, when those big shifts happen in your life, people then came calling people from Hay House, my publishers, 
to um, corporations around the world said, we know your background, we know your story, how did you go from here to there? So it's a big shift was that goals are not enough. There's a missing link. And the missing link is living a life with daily standards. And are these daily standards, are they like daily goals or are they or something different? No. So let me just kind of break down uh, how we describe a goal. A goal has a time element to it, as in next week, next month, three years, five years, whatever it is. And um, a lot of the great teachers now don't uh, talk about goals and that's um, listening to a conversation, I was privileged to listen to a conversation uh, a couple of years ago between uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, and um, no, who's, who's now not with us on this earthly plane, and um, Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle. And both basically stated that they didn't set goals. They used to set goals, but they don't anymore. I was listening to a conversation also recording uh, with Success um, magazine with a, a young man called Tim Ferriss. And we all know Tim because of the four-hour week and his other works. And he said, actually, I don't set long-term goals either because they, uh, firstly, he said that they, I set goals that were less than I really could be and also that they limited me. But my belief, even before having listened to these conversations with these people, was, was really simple, that a goal says you must do this in time and be this in time and have this in time. And the reason why most people, whether it's around their health, their fitness, their money goals, their relationship goals, their business goals, the reason why they don't succeed in those areas is they attach something to the goals. They say to themselves, when I've got that goal, then I'll be happy. Well, there's the first mistake, because you can't be happy in the future. You can only be happy in the right in the now, because happiness is a present time experience. So when we have people attach happiness to their goals, that's a fatal error for most people. Fatal, because if they don't achieve that goal, they never get the happiness. And if they do achieve that goal, and of course most people don't achieve their goals, the reason I'll come into. If they do achieve that goal, they then say, okay, when I achieve the next goal, then I'll be really happy. And then after that, the next goal. So there's this constant deferment which fractures today's happiness and pushes it out there into the future. That's the first error, because we can't be happy in the future. We can only be happy in the present time. The second thing is that when we set goals and we put them out into the future, most people do them and then they don't adjust their behaviors today. So one of my goals, let's say one of my goals was to be um, 14 stone with a 10% body fat and be able to run a, run a mile in six minutes. That's my goal. I write it down. I tell my, tell my friends. I put it in my journal. I do all the things I've been told by the experts to do. But however, my daily standards are I may do, I may do you know, five press-ups one day, nothing for a few days. I might just you know, eat, eat, eat a, a salad the next day, um, not go to the gym most days. Uh, in other words, my daily behaviors are not congruent. In fact, they're distinctly incongruent with the goal. So the only way to achieve the goal is to break it down to daily standards. And what, what, I'm going to be really, really clear because the question that you asked, Michal, and that was a daily standard is not a goal. See, a goal, even if it's within the day, says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to reach for that. I'm going to get that. I'm going to have that. Even if it's to now, from now till 12 o'clock tonight, a daily standard says, I am that. This is my present time behavior. This is how I'm going to treat myself. This is how others are going to treat me. This is the standard of business I will, I, I will, I will encounter. This is the quality of client I will accept as a client of mine. This is the minimum order I will have as standard in my business. This is the percentage of fat I will have in my food every time I eat today, not as a goal, as a standard. This is about how I do me 
They said about the practices and the behaviours, not the, I wish I could do this by tonight or tomorrow or next week or five years' time. Daily Standard says how you do you, practices and behaviours today and only today. There's no such thing as a daily standard for tomorrow. A daily standard is your behaviour and practices in all aspects of your life that are important to you just today. In other words, don't set any goals. Is that what you're saying, Derek? Well, what I accept is that um, most of the world does set goals. So if you're going to set goals, which most of the world does, um, and maybe the, the people listening to this uh, right now will be thinking, well, I do set goals. The key thing is the reason why most people fail to achieve their goals is they haven't set up and written down and focused on the daily standards that go with those goals. So I'm not saying to not set goals, although, of course, there are many people around the world, including myself, that don't set goals. But the fact is that most people that I speak with in the audiences across cultures and countries and belief systems, most of those people do set goals. So I simply say one thing. If you set goals, you must set the daily standards, the basis, criteria, level, qualities and rules that you live your day by, just today, just until you go back to bed tonight. When your head hits the pillow, you're, you haven't got to live your standards anymore. When you wake up to them, if the good Lord gives you tomorrow morning, you then recommit to living your standards for that one day. It's the same reason that Alcoholics Anonymous have been successful with their structures, as in, it's about the day. It's the same thing that Christ talked about, you know, 2,000 years ago, when he said, that give us, the, it was the, the Lord's Prayer that I taught was, was, um, was taught to the child. In the middle of that were four words that kept resonating with me. And those four words from Christ were, give us this day. And I noticed that he didn't say, give us this week, give us this month, give us this quarter, give us this fiscal year, this 20-year program. He simply said, give us this day. So it's about focusing on being who we are, not who we're going to be, but being who we are and acting from that place, which is what he really said. Act from this place today. And then some, somewhere else, you don't mind me saying that in some elsewhere in scripture, a phrase that we all know is, have no worry for tomorrow. And there's only one way I realized when I was 38 years old, you can have no worry for tomorrow. And that is if you do the very best of you, living at your greatest and your best standards today. So that to me was a real strong message to say, I've been living in the future, not never getting there. And also not being happy, because I was going to be happy when I got these things. I never got these things. I was missing out on the fact that daily standards keeps us present. They keep us in the day, they keep us happy, and they keep us in the now. And Derek, you said there that you dramatically changed your life. How did you do, actually do that with the daily standards? Yeah, I think the biggest recognition, which is will be the same for, for listeners today, will be that uh, I didn't even know that the, that the thing that was, that was um, keeping me uh, in that failure place was the lack of daily standards. Now, what I realized actually that I did have standards I lived my life by, but those standards were not honoring and serving me. And they were not allowing me, therefore, to honor and serve others. So I'll give you some examples. One of the things that I, I was doing was I was um, working six, seven days a week. And I'd work in, I'd see my clients, my snow, to do business with them any time at all, any evening, any night, any daytime you call, and I, and I would be there. I was getting up early in the morning, working until 10, 11 o'clock in the evening. Wasn't seeing my wife and my, and my, and my children because I just wasn't, wasn't around. I had anyone as a client and I'd see them with the tiniest bit of business. I had the lowest standards around and I'd go and see you anywhere at all. So I had bad health, I'd eat any kind of food. When I realized I did have standards, but I wasn't conscious of them. And the moment I became conscious, hold on a second, no matter what goals I have, if I have these 
standards, these standards, are they serving? That's the key question. Are they serving and honoring me? And if so, are they allowing me to honor and serve other people? So I began to shift things around and I began to, from that night onwards, say, actually, you know what? One of my standards is I'm, you know, I'm a family guy. I'm a, I'm a husband and a father. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I became that person. So I organized my new daily standards to be there for my children in the morning and start taking them to school instead of being in, uh, on the road when they were still in bed in the morning. So a brand new standard became I take my kids to school every single morning. And that's, that's what I did and what I've always done. And I picked them up from school in the evening. Another standard was I don't see any clients in the evening because I'm a husband. I'm a father. I've got you know these people sent to me through God, through the universe, and I'm not there in their lives. It didn't make any sense. The standard was given to me by the industry I work in. And most of us have our standards given to us. And I was told, to be successful, you've got to work late. You've got to do the six, seven-day-a-week thing. And if you don't do that, you won't be successful. Not true. Because what I found when I shifted that, and I said, well, to all of my prospective clients, you must now come to me in my office in the normal business hours of nine to five. And now I can't see you tomorrow because I've got my son's football match. And now I can't see it weekends because I'm seeing my wife and my children. All of a sudden, I began to have people look at me in a different way. It's one of the magic things that happens is that when you raise your standards, people see you at the standards that you set. So when you have low standards, people not only see you, they engage you at lower standards. So don't be surprised when people treat you in a certain way if you have low standards around that issue. When you raise the standards, people are forced to see you in a different way. And when they see you in a different way, they treat you in a different way. So what happened to me, I changed around my health, the, the quality of the food I would eat, the percentage of the fat in the food. Not one day I'm gonna be fit and go to the gym, but actually when I eat my food, back then I'm thinking of it was something like 15% content. If my food had more than 15% content, that would have breached my standard. So I kept my body uh, low, low fat because the food I ate was low fat. One another standard I set was I train Every day, every single day, I do something with my health, fitness, flexibility, and strength. Not as a goal, going to the gym and I'll be fit, fit for the next summer. No, but as a daily standard every single day. And these were the things that shifted me. I then also, because I worked here in financial services, I used to do business with anyone. Because the standard was do business with anyone for this tiniest bit of investment that they've got. And anywhere in the country, anytime that they say that almost ruined my marriage. I changed that standard to say, you must have this much income to, to be one of my clients. The wealth that you invest must be a minimum of this, and you must come to my office if you really want to see me. You must. These are the brand new standards, health, family, business. Um, and I, I must just kind of put that into, into context. At the end of 2003, uh, I'm the guy that's depressed during the six, seven days a week, just about paying the, the bills, and in the, in the profession that I worked in, one of the lowest earning people in financial services at that time. Um, and again, all documented because we are all agents to some type of company and they keep the numbers and they keep the score. When I had this realization, I then began to set these new standards to say, OK, which standards honor and serve me? And by any which, if I keep those standards, allow me to serve and honor other people, my clients, my wife, my children, my friends, my father the rest of the world. Within three years, doing the same business, in the same office, in the same building, I was a millionaire. I was working part-time, because that was my new standard, to work part-time. My income went up 10 times. I became healthier. 
I became happier. I reconnected strong with my wife and my and my and my children. And all these things kept happening because I set brand new standards for not how I was going to be, which sounds very much like a goal, but who I am today. And we've only got today. Did you have like a crisis moment in your life to make all this happen? Yeah, you know, it's um, there are many things that happen to us. I mean, that I had a moment. Which, which I name of the book that I uh, wrote for Hay House uh, is called The 10 Second Philosophy, which shows my story and what I did and how to review standards and set your own standards and how to live a more, a, a more honest life, a more authentic life, a true life. I call, it, I call it living as your true self. So there was a moment, hence the title of the book, called The 10 Second Philosophy, where one night I'm in the office and somebody asked me a question. It was the security card waiting to lock up the building, and I was still there working at almost 10 in the evening. And he asked me a question, and the question was not a real question. It was a simple throwaway question, which was, what time do you get in this morning? And it was that question that stopped me in my tracks to realize I'd been up since six on the road at seven. It was now almost, I haven't seen my children in the morning, haven't seen them yet. They've now been in bed. My wife's probably going to be in bed. It's now 10 in the evening. I'll be home by 11. And that was my typical day every day for weeks months and years so that 10 second moment as i stopped after he asked that question i realized inside of me that this wasn't my life and i was meant for much more than this and i knew in that moment that one of the key challenges was i was setting goals but i didn't have the right standards for my life and if you have goals but the wrong standards you don't succeed most importantly michael i wasn't happy so that was this defining moment interestingly enough as we with lots of um teachers and that, that, that I uh, listen to and when, and when I go and do other, other talks for the organizations I hear other teachers say things like there are many moments in our lives that lead to that place and of course I have those moments as well because that moment where I woke up in those 10 seconds was uh, really almost a defining moment but before that it was my mother dying when I was 13 it was having a stutter and a stammer until my late 20s it was being broke. It was having my being in court to stop my house being repossessed. It was having my car taken from me. It was having people and bailiffs in my house. All those things led me to a place that in those 10 seconds, I realized this is not my life. I'm meant for more than this. And it's in that moment that all those compounding things made the change for me. You mentioned about being a stutterer. How did that happen? Well, um, Michal, when I was uh, 13, I got home from school one day and ran into the house and saw that all the family and my relatives there in the house. And um, as, as a young boy, you know, I was very close, close to my mother. And I got into the house that afternoon after school. And you know, there are houses full of people. And, one, and no one was really speaking and telling me what was going on. Um, and a few minutes later, one of our um, family friends ran into the house and burst in through the front door and just shouted, Mavis is dead, Mavis is dead. And she broke down and began weeping. Um, and that is how, age 13, out of the blue, I found out my mother had died that day. Um, what happened that day was actually is I, I, just, I was in shock and I couldn't speak. And when I woke up the next morning, I couldn't speak. After the funeral, I went back to school, and it was only on the first day back at school when I began to speak again because the teacher asked me to read a passage from the book. As we know, we've all done that before. It came around to my turn in the book, and I was just, you know, (coughs) 
stuttering away. And all I could shout was, can't speak. And I realized from that point onwards that I had a, a real, really awful speech impediment. And it stayed with me right through my school age. You know, not kids like. <laughs> so that was an unpleasant time through college and my early years um, in financial services. And it wasn't until I was 25. You know, sometimes we've all had this before, Michal, where someone does something to us with a bad intention. But it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened in our life. And this is often how I talk to my coaching clients around how to reframe things. And we can reframe things. I change the meaning of something by waiting for the change to come, as in wait, waiting for the meaning to change. Or we can, in an instant, in that moment, decide to change the meaning of something. Uh, I was speaking you know, in my normal stuttering way um, at the company I worked for back then. And there were some potential new recruits to the company in the room. And what actually happened, uh, Michal, was that a young lady wrote me a letter after that event to say that she didn't get a job with the company. And she just couldn't believe how I could be in the company when I couldn't. When we, I'll quote her. She said, when you, Mr. Mills, can't even speak properly and who babbled incoherently, how can you be working at the company and I can't get in? So that was my wow moment, or one of them anyway. And, but it was in that moment, regardless of her intention, I said to myself, she's right. I was 25 years old. I said, I'm 25 years old, and I can't speak properly. I don't care why she wrote that letter, but the fact is she wrote it perhaps to be vindictive or to be malicious, but she's absolutely right. I then went um, on a, speaking, a series of speaking courses to learn to speak properly. I didn't go on a stuttering course. I didn't want to be a stutterer. I went on speaking courses with the Dale Carnegie organization to learn to be a speaker. And that, because of that one letter, and because I learned to overcome that, and that, that stuttering affliction may have stayed with me the whole of my life, if not for her perfectly timed, bad-intentioned, great-outcome letter. Because I took that letter, learned to speak, and now I get paid thousands of pounds to speak around the world. What a wonderful thing. One thing that comes to mind for me, say, if we know of someone who does stutter, how should we respond to that person, say, if they're trying to say a sentence? One of the things I found as, um, as by way almost of an intervention was that uh, I realised that when people who stutter sing, they don't stutter. And this isn't new, but I didn't sing, I didn't sing with a stutter, I just sang. So I realised there were two things going on. When you know a song, you know the words to that song, or you already know what's coming. And you also have to get the breathing right to capture the tune and you have to put that tune out there. So whenever I, uh, I meet someone, I met someone, I was doing a, I did a lecture for um, a college in London um, for their sixth form uh, last week before last. And someone approached me afterwards uh, to, as a young lad of 17 and approached about his stuttering position. And I asked him to sing and he sung without stuttering. He knew the words to the song. I, he knew what he had to say first and he got his breathing right. And that was one of the key things where as long as you haven't got a physical issue you know, with your, with your mouth, tongue, whatever, it's about the breathing and around thinking what the words are before you say them and almost having a visualization of those words and then allowing yourself to gently say those words. So that's if I was working with someone and I had 30 seconds with them, that's what I would say. I'd get them to sing a song that they knew and ask them how they did that. And that gives them the clue to how they could sing their words in the conversation. Of course, without the tune and the melody, but effectively knowing what you want to say first and then breathe through the words that you want to say as if you were singing them. 
I started my speaking class at 25. By 30, you would not have called me a stutterer. There's, there's no one anywhere in the world that would have spoken to me at, that, at 30 and called me a stutterer. I must check out Dale Carnegie. So Dale Carnegie, yeah, yeah the uh, professional speaking. Or I think the courses are called um, effective public speaking, and they're not basically for stutterers. They're for people who want to learn to speak in public. I can tell you a very brief, funny story. When I uh, I went on this program um, with this chap called um, called Phil Ryan, he ran the program in in this place outside of Birmingham, uh, and uh, I completed the course over a fourteen week period. And then, of course, life goes on. I went back to my business and financial services and my life, and we had two more children and all the rest of it. Now, I, I began to, um, I, I embarked on my speaking career only four years ago. So four years ago, I then go to a, an organization called the Professional Speaking Association. I just thought, you know what, I want to see what it takes to become a real speaker. Because when I was 25 to 30, I was just learning to speak. I did nothing with it. I didn't speak in public, did no lectures, nothing. However, when I got um, 20 years twenty years later, um, I'm then in an audience doing my first 10-minute gig, my first showcase talk to any audience outside of my bedroom. And, uh, and I, I look up to this audience of all professional speakers who are going to assess me. And the one guy, front row, center front row was the same guy that taught me my speaking course 20 years earlier and i could not literally could not i had to stop my talk and say hold on a second are you philip ryan <laughs> did you teach a speaking course back you know back in the uh, in the 90s and he said yeah no, that was me i said well i was on your course and he said you know what i remember you and he did and so did his wife so it's incredible when we make that decision how the world and the universe tends to conspire to um, support us. So let me just uh, just give you that. People often talk about being in the zone or being in the flow. Can you tell me a little bit about getting into that zone? Yes. Um, one of the key things that uh, challenges all of us uh, as teachers, as leaders, as followers, whatever it might be, is that very few people uh, understand that the world is pretty much designed for you not to be yourself. Through every advert, the society, politics, education is designed to not have you be yourself. So I talk about it in the book is something called your true self. And I, I discuss the philosophical and spiritual side of discovering who you truly are and being that person. The reason why that is such an important issue is I believe that um, whether, you're, whether you have a faith and you believe that there's a God or you just talk about the universe, whatever your belief system is, I believe the universe is an intelligent place. I believe that, 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 that for me it's God has all that intelligence, infinite intelligence. I believe I'm part of that. Because again, it says in scripture, you know, that uh, you are the light. When Christ says you are the light, he also refers to himself as being the light. He says to us that we are also the light. I believe that we are part of the universe and everything else. Why am I saying this? Because I also know that what I noticed was if I'm part of everything, then whatever the intelligence is, I'm part of it. So in fact, if the universe or God is a genius, then so am I. But what I was doing, I was paying attention too much to the outside world, what I should be, how to dress, how I should speak, what I should believe, how I should work. And I was really working with a life called non-self. It wasn't my life. It was my non-self life. And we can't be happy in non-self. We all know that. I began to focus on the true self. The more I focused on the true self and being like going inside, discovering, and literally in some cases meditating on who I am, what's inside of me, what are my, what are my real gifts and talents and abilities, 
I found that when I live by my daily standards, the daily standards come from within. They don't come from your mind or your ego, they come from your truth from within. I discovered mine by sitting down and discovering what's right for me here, what's the right standard in my life, in my business, in this relationship, with my clients, with my wife, with my children, going, that's an inside job. And the more I went inside, I realized, you know what? There's more here than I thought. And I let the stuff out. As I let the stuff out, I realized that there were gifts and abilities there I didn't know and hadn't been using hitherto. So as I began to live the stuff that was on the inside and discover it and just be that person, discover it and be that person, discover it and I don't care, be brave, be the person that you discover, I realized that actually I could do many things I couldn't do before. I got, got involved in speaking and coaching and mentoring and film production and, and, and coaching people right from people in business right to um, some of the leaders in politics in the United States, one of the former um, American uh, ambassador became a, a coaching client of mine and now a dear friend. I coach business people and salespeople, realizing this is a, a gift that I've got. Uh, when I executive produced a film, we won an award in America, the best short film at the PAFF Film Festival in 2012. Our film was screened at uh, Raindance, and we didn't win, but we were screened, which is a real huge accolade. Why am I telling you this? For one simple reason. I realized I was a genius. So I couldn't do all those things unless I had a genius inside of me. In other words, I was a genius all of those lean years. And every single one of us has a genius inside of us when we allow ourselves to tap in. I wrote the book for one simple reason. I knew there was so much more inside of me that I was God blessed to be able to wake up at 38 and realize there's more to me than I've been living. I wrote it because the same that applied to me applies to you. Anyone listening to this conversation is far more than they have than has shown up in their life. When we tap into our true self, when we go inside, the gifts, the abilities, and the talents that we came here with begin to flow into our lives. So the most important thing then became, I need to stay true to myself. And the daily standards help us to keep us in our truth because they come from our truth. And the more we stay in our truth, the more our gifts and abilities that we came here with flow into our lives. And every single person I've worked with, coaching and mentoring, and some just by turning, attending events or retreats that I've, that I've held, has found that they've had more gifts and abilities in their lives than they thought, which means they've earned more money. They've been happier. They've got the relationship that, that they want. There's, a, there's an editor of one of the largest magazines in the UK, who I won't name, um, who basically became a coaching client of mine and got that, got that editorship and got the, the husband, the man of her dreams, and the house and the dream job, two years after realizing there's more to her than she'd been playing with until that point in her life. To put this in summary, when I talk about daily standards, because these are the practical side of, of our humanity, this is how we keep ourselves in our truth. Our daily standards come from our truth. And, and the more we use them, the more we stay in our truth. The longer we stay in our true selves, the more of our gifts and abilities will flow into our lives. So I don't believe, Michal, in the zone. I don't believe in the flow. When I believe in all those things that we call zone and flow are the moments when we are in our true self. So the question is, you've always got that ability there. Whatever you did that was amazing in when you're in the zone, whatever you did, whatever you did that was pure genius whilst in the flow must always have been inside of you. The question then becomes, what are you doing in your life to not be in that place? What are you doing to keep you outside of your true self genius? And what if you could be more of your true self genius today? 
from, for extended periods of time. How does your day, how does your life now look when you, your own genius, is playing in your life? And these are the concepts that I um, work with in my own life and put into the book, The 10 Second Philosophy. And that's why um, with the daily standards and the being the true self, releasing our gifts and our genius, that's what's taking me on this journey around the world, sharing that message. And Derek, what do you think stops people from being true to themselves? My intuitive response is always paying too much attention to what you think the world would have you be. That's what the reality is. For a lot of people, they can be experiencing stress in their lives, which obviously is not being probably in the flow or even being true to themselves. But do you think there's a reason for that, Derek? Yeah, you know, um, there's a phrase I wrote um, in, in the second part of the book, which is most people are not happy because they're not who they truly are. And you can't be truly happy as not you. So when we are, you know, when you, we've all met people, Michal, who are just themselves. And they are, they may be the life and soul of the party, but the, or they may be not, but the kind of person where we, we all say, you know what, that person is just themselves. And what you see is what you get, and, you know, and everybody loves them. And they're the happy ones because they're just being themselves. And they're not nervous. You put them in front of a crowd, they're not nervous. One-to-one, -one, they're not nervous. Put them in a unique situation. They're going to just be themselves and say those words they want to say and, and give the feeling that they want to give and hold the space they want to hold. What are, we, what, what are we saying here? What we're saying is that these people are rarely stressed because you get stressed when you're not you. You get stressed when you're in a place that isn't actually real and authentic for you. You get stressed when you put too much pressure on what you should be and what you think the world is thinking about you. And you load these things up over a, a year, a few decades, and you wonder why people are at 30 and 40, totally stressed out. And I, the question I ask is, stressed out about what? And when I do one-to-one -one and do mentoring or do uh, group coaching sessions, pretty much always, perhaps 90% of the responses that I get from the room when I say, stressed about what? It's always to do something outside of them. They're rarely stressing saying, well, I'm really stressed because I'm not spiritually enlightened or finding myself or not, don't know who I am, they tend to say, because of my job, or this is happening with the kids, or the money situation, or you know, the thing happening in the world. Wouldn't you be stressed, Eric? What if we get blown up tomorrow? You, you're in London a lot. What if, what if there's a bomber? Like, people are stressed about so many things. And I, when we break it down, we have to begin to be honest. And I think that, um, it was Emerson that said, um, to their own self, be true. And if you can be true to yourself, then surely as night follows day, you cannot then be false to any man. And to me, that's about, you no. Know, be really, really honest, be, being almost brutally honest to yourself and say, actually, the things that I'm really stressed about and worried about are pretty much outside of me. And they're a lot to do with what I think other people would think of me. And I know this, this isn't just theory, it's how I used to be. I was worried about what clients would think, my colleagues, my competitors, people that thought, shouldn't he be successful right now? I worried about how, how I dressed, literally sometimes how I walked, how I would appear in public. The clothes that I wore, it made me consistently not be happy and stress and worry. There's only one thing that we should be worrying about if we're going to worry. And that is that we were given a life. Our spirits came into physical bodies to have this experience. And other people came into their bodies to have an experience. And lots of those people struggle. So for me, it's around what can I discover inside of me that's my truth? And as I live my truth, how can I help others just to get to achieve or to get or to be their truth? That to me is the only worry, which is why the work that I do right now, 
in theory, um, it, it pays a hell of a lot less than a business that I recently sold. And I sold that business for a, a seven-figure number. And if I kept it going, it would have been multiple seven-figure numbers. But I didn't want to do that because I realized life's short. It's not about the money. You need money to pay your bills and stay in your house, but it's not actually about the money. It's about us discovering who we are, being that person, and being that person in love and in light for other people. And to the degree that we can do that, the stress dissipates. The pain reduces, if not disappears. Our happiness increases and increases. And we think we can't be any happier, and then we help somebody else by being ourselves, and we become even happier. If you're going to worry about anything, worry about being yourself. And I think when you start that journey, worry isn't the right word, but it's about consider that and put your mind upon those things. And as you put your mind on, you consider these things, you discover how to be more of your truth, how to be a happier person as your true self. If a person is responding from a stressful place for a long period of their life, as you mentioned already, is there a way they can change that dynamic in a practical way or? Yeah, I mean, if it's, uh, for example, it may be financial stress or stress at work. And um, I can be quite glib about this, and I appreciate I sound that way sometimes. But I just say, look, you're giving your strings to somebody else. And when are you going to take back the strings? If you, cause if you, are you a puppet where the strings are handed to an el- somebody else, a company, an organization? Because if you give me some examples, Michal, of um, things people are stressed about, we can break down each one to say most of that will come down to They've given strings to somebody else, and there's somebody else yanking those strings, causing the stress. We then do the stress on the inside of us. My question becomes, when are you going to take back those strings? But I'm in a job, Derek. I need to, to work, and I'm working for this company, and I've got to, I'm only paid till five, but they make me work till seven, and I've got these deadlines, and I say, in fact, this is your life. So the life that they have was given to them. This life was given to you. You can choose to remain in that stress. In other words, you choose to let them have the strings. What would happen seriously if you cut the strings and did something else? And people then have to then begin to recognize that they're responsible for most of the stress, not because they're causing it, but because they're allowing it to happen. If you're in financial stress, because I used to be, you know, I was uh, the bailiffs, the, um, the the courts for repossession, debts, and all the, all the things that go with it, and that's financial stress. The reason I was in financial stress because I thought I needed to have that fast car and to get that bigger house to be impressive and, and look the right way and have the right things and to have the success that the world told me I needed to have. And this is a real malady, by the way, for our young children. Children in their, in their teens and their 20s are, n- are so far from their, their true selves because the cult and the, uh, of celebrity and society is telling them, here's what success looks like. Now, you and I both know that most of those celebrities or mega successful people with the billionaires and the Beckhams or whatever, a lot of people, they, they may not even be happy. But the world gives a formula and says, if you look like this, you'll be happy. Inside, a lot of those people are dying inside. So how many celebrities and super mega stars we see that achieve all the success that we think success is, only to have the seventh wife, the seventh husband, the to commit suicide or to take drugs or alcohol, whatever. So we do know that the message that we're giving to our young people about what success looks like isn't the right message to give. It, it, it fools all of us. So it is really around recognizing when we have stress in our lives about saying, hold on a second, I need to take back those strings. 
and you are no one's puppet and when you take back the strings. But you've got to take back the strings and recognize if I'm not happy in that job, it's causing me stress. Why don't you move from that job? Because if the company was doing, well, I can't, I can't move. I couldn't do it. What if I don't get another job? What if I can't get a self-employed position? So simple questioning, like my security guard question to me all those years ago. What if the company was made redundant, what would you do? If, you, if they made you redundant, what would you do? Now we have to accept and deal with the reality of it. Okay, the company isn't making you redundant. But what if you thought for, you, thought for yourself and said, actually, but I would do this or this or this and this. And then it's around releasing the strings and taking back control and doing something ourselves. Being, I, I'm the guy that will say, leave the company if you're not happy. I'm the guy that will say to you, if your finances are letting you down, consider how you're letting yourself down. Who set that up? Who told you to have that mega expensive car? You caused your own stress. You've got to pay that off. But change the standard of what you think success is. Change your money standards. And if you're, if you're, I meet a lot of people around the world, and they talk to me about health, money, relationships, success. They're, they're the, the four key areas that, that I address. And if you're poor, and you are you you are poor in a free society, then one has to consider what are your money standards, because your money standards will determine your wealth. If you're unhealthy to with your fitness and your health, for most people, we can actually ask the question, what are your food and exercise standards? And you could listen to the response and then tell them why they're unhealthy. So what we're saying is that this is all about responsibility and being true to ourselves and being honest with ourselves. Derek, you talk about strings. What do you think stops people from cutting those strings? It's, it's, a, big, it's a bigger thing. You know, if I took you and put you into a bubble and told you this is how things are, and I give you that story for 40 years, it's tough to cut the strings. Because what we're saying is that people are told from very small children, set your goals to be successful, be this way, speak this way, and peer pressure's hard when you're, you know, when you're a teenager, but we've all gone through that. Be this way, and success looks like this. When you've got that message for 20, 30 years, it's really hard which is one of the reasons I wrote the book, was say, actually, bit by bit, we can begin to cut the strings. As we look at our life and say, actually, here are the standards I'm accepting. How can I change those standards? And then begin to let go of the standards that no longer serve us and set new ones that do serve us. A simple one that I um, have shared with people, uh, but it has such a massive impact in our lives, is that when I, um, when I woke up and you know, realized what was happening inside and when I was in non-self and began being my, my true self. One of the things I did in taking my children to school every single morning was I realized, you know, I, I wasn't in a great place, clearly, with all my previous failures. But every single morning I'd get into the car and every half an hour, the news would come on and I'd listen to the news. And I'd get to the office and of course I'd read the newspaper. And if I was somewhere at lunchtime in, in a pub or whatever, or if I was at home at the weekend, I'd listen to the news at one o'clock and the news at six o'clock. And then of course the 10 o'clock news. And it's the same in every country of the world, by the way. The news is 99% negative. Tell you who's going to die, why things are bad, why the economy is poor, why you've got to be really careful when you go outside, that think people are out to get you, that the world's terrible, all the rest of it, and the business is no good, and, you, and you know, it's a bad place to be, this world. And I was feeding myself that, that mental and emotional food and getting attached to the message I was hearing from that radio, from that television and that newspaper. So one of the brand new standards that I set was I realized... 
If I don't change my environmental standards, I will always be a failure. So I began to change the whole of my standards. Don't listen to the news in the car. Even my children now, the news comes on. If I'm drifting away, looking out the window, whatever it is, they'd automatically turn it off because I, as I took them to school, I put in, I changed the standard I was listening to. I changed the standard of my environment and theirs. I took the news off every single time it came on and I put on inspirational CDs, motivational CDs, business, entrepreneurship, spirituality, leadership, psychology, philosophy. And over those 10 years, my, my kids are traveling in the car. My young one still does massive education. So if the brain, if the world is going to brainwash me to, and hugely demotivate me, because it's really hard when the world tells you it's all terrible out there to get yourself going in your job or your business, especially if you're self-employed. So I gave myself a brand new education and so to my children of changing the whole environment or what would allow into my mind and through my eyes. You can't help but walking into a room and someone's got the television on and it's their room. So what's on is on. You walk into a bar, you see a, you see the news it tells you the horrors of the world. You'll walk past a newsstand and tell you how many people were killed that day in a certain country. So you can't avoid all of that. But why would you force feed yourself more poison? How do you help the world when you're poisoned? And the answer is change and raise the standards of your environment. Those who are around you, what you listen to, what you watch, what you read. And I would say that's one of the biggest single things that anyone can do who within when they start putting into that uh, nature abhors a vacuum. When you when you cut those things out and you put into the vacuum, not the newspaper, but the motivational book, the inspirational book. When you take off the news programs of all the negativity and you put in their inspiration and motivation and great stories, of people who have turned their lives around and, and biographies of great people, this changes us. And bit by bit, as we all know, unconsciously it goes into our hearts, into our minds, and we become that which we pay attention to which is the same reason why if you ask a 12-year-old why is a corn-fed chicken yellow, they will respond because they feed it yellow corn. We are what we eat, we are what we allow into our lives and what we allow around us. Do you have any particular role models that give you inspiration and motivation in your life? Uh, I do, um, and it may surprise you. It's, it's no one in the, in the public eye. Um, my best role model uh, is, my, is my wife. Um, through my tough, my wife, Jerry, through my toughest, um, times, um, God bless, you know, God bless the Irish because, you know, she's of Irish descent and her parents are from Tipperary. Um, is it through all my troubled times of money and near depression and things I won't go into now, she, when I was really, really incredibly low thinking sometimes, is it worth going on? She stuck by me. She was my rock. I know this is a cliche, but she was my rock and she, she stayed true to herself in spite of me. So I, I do give um, honor to her in my book by saying, you know, thank you for staying there and being who you are, being her true self when I wasn't. Because, you know, when I was in that place of being really, really low, I didn't even deserve her. In my heart and mind, I know I didn't deserve her, but she stayed there for me. So she is my, uh, is my hero. And if I, had, if I had other heroes, they'd be my children because they're just amazing, wonderful human beings who, you know, if I had their heart and their spirit when I was their age, I'd have been a blessed person. You know, I'm blessed now, but you know, the, per the children they've become, um, I'm proud of my, my four children in, in a way that you can't really put into words. It's a feeling which is beyond 
I'm proud and happy with them. It's it's beyond that. So um, yeah, it's you know the reason why I'm not naming anybody bigger because I have to be honest with myself and say who has the biggest impact on me, who influences me the most, and who do I live for. Outside of that, um, in the real world, I also realised that for 17 years until I was 38 years old, I was listening to a lot of people telling me stuff that in, in the end caused me lots of pain. By setting these goals that I, you know, I kept missing and therefore I wasn't good enough was the message to me. And I didn't get the clue, the missing link being daily standards was the, behave, the behavior piece. I didn't get the fact that by completely living in the future and being happy in the future, I was fracturing and removing happiness from today. And I prove it. Every time I go on stage, I ask the audience, tell me some of the things that you set goals around. And they all tell me the car, the house, the income, the whatever. And I say, okay. And what will you get when you get that thing? And every single time, it happened last week with these six formers, when you get the this, the that, whatever, you will be, and they always respond, happy. And then I challenge them, I say to them, interesting. Can you be happy in the future? Do you not realize that happiness is a present time experience? You're gonna be happy in the now. And what if you set that thing up and you never get it? Then what happened to the happiness? And these are the questions to ponder, which bring us back to, we have to be present in our lives. Give us this day. We have to live in the now. Give us this day. We have to hug, love, share, be, all these things just in today. My mother died when she was 35 years old. She may have had plans for the long-term future. But what I do know is that you know, with, with all of us, that life is short, even at the longest. So we have to make sure what we really do is don't take tomorrow for granted, but you do have today. Live today by a daily standards set from within will be happier and more successful people. Tell me, Derek, how do standards tie in with health then? Oh, hugely, um, because when we look, I have a couple of cases in the, in the book about this, where when it comes to health, we have to absolutely make sure that we set our, an activity each day as standard. People haven't got to this, but I'm going to give you what, what I do. Every single day when I wake up, I do a meditation in my bed. Now wake up and I go to I go to the gym or I'll go downstairs and I'll do a row or I'll do a series of setups and crunches whatever because what my here's what my standard is Michal. my standard is I do some physical exercise every single day a day does not pass because it's my daily standard I do some exercise every single day now if you do some exercise every single day that's money in the bank if you if we looked if you gave if you just went to a money metaphor and said no matter how much you earn put something in the bank. Even if you only earn a pound that day, put 10 pence in the bank. Every single time you, if you earn a million pounds that day, put 100,000 pounds in the bank. So the practice is this. You do something with your health every single day. And then you set a standard in terms of your, your eating habits, which is the other thing that the NHS or the health services around the world will tell us. It's by not moving enough and it's eating the wrong types of food. So if I have a standard of, I have a, you know, a deep fried Mars bar uh, and four pints, every other night and the in-between nights I have pizza and maybe a couple of burgers and a deep and a full English or full Irish breakfast with the whiting and the black pudding and stuff if I had that every single morning as standard tell me now what is that going to do to your health what does it do to your arteries what does it do to your waistline what, what does it do to your cognitive abilities what we're really saying is that you do know this you do know that those standards do not lead to a healthy life. You do know that by not exercising, it leaves you to be less flexible, unfit, unhealthy heart. You do know 
that having high fat, high content. So here's what we can do. We can set up a system with some people around us. So if I've got a health buddy and my health buddy helps me to keep to my health standards in terms of the fitness side of things. I have two or three people, including my wife, that know my food standards. So if I'm wandering in Marks or Spencer's and I pick up something and it says, for example, oh, beautiful meal, and I'm thinking this is amazing, it looks gorgeous. And we turn it over and we look at the back and it says 27% fat. And the saturated fats were 20%. I'll go, hold on a second. We can't have that. Why is that? My standard is 10. So practically, every single day, we can change our food and our exercise standards in a real... Why I call the book, The 10 Second Philosophy... The practical guide to releasing your inner genius. That there are practical steps that we need to do. There are a lot of spiritual teachers out there, and I listen to many of them over my life. But I'm the kind of guy that says, that's lovely. And I'm with that. I'm with the spirit. What do I do today? What are the practices that I do today to get to this inner genius, to release my true self, to be happy? And the, this is where Daily Standards is so strong in the book and on our website, dailystandards.com, is to say, we show you how to do that. And it's things that you can literally do as a child or an adult to change the whole of your life. And Derek, as you're probably aware, but in Ireland at the moment, running's gone extremely popular, especially running marathons and all that side of things. And it can be very goal-focused marathons as well. But how does standards tie in with this? Yeah, because if you want to, you know, to achieve, uh, if you've got a goal and your goal is, say, I don't know, uh, three hours or two hours, and you set that goal, but what you do is you exercise and you do you do a mile a day every single day that standard is not is not congruent with that goal so we have to then look at uh, for me i would find an expert and say that's my goal how what, what would i need to do each day daily standard what would i need to do each day to hit that goal and then break it down to what you'd have to as an absolute minimum do five hours a day running or one hour or three hours whatever it is and you need to start on, imagine a series of steps. On the first step, it says, for the first phase of this goal, your standard should be two hours a day doing X miles, 10 miles. And when you're comfortable with that, and you're plateauing, you realize that you can do that comfortably. You raise the standard, you step up another step. And do you notice something with steps? Steps take you closer to the ceiling. I use that metaphor to say, if the ceiling is your goal, go on to the first step, make that a standard and stick to that standard long enough to see what happened if you if you did. Then you go on to the next step, i.e. you raise the standard of the quality or the client or the relationship or what you're eating or the marathon. You raise the standard of how much you're running that day, the time or the distance. And when you're comfortable with that, you raise the standard once more. Now you're on step three. Now do you notice as you keep raising the standard that you're comfortable with, you are actually closer to the goal. So the goal is the thought. It's just an idea that's out there. It's nothing. The thing that is you, is the daily standard that you operate from that day. Daily standards. You talk to any top athlete, any top business person, anyone that achieves success in any endeavor, it's what they do by the day. They may not call it daily standards, but it will be one of these five things. Basis, criteria, level, quality, or rule. A rule, criteria, level, basis, or criteria. One of those things will be what they're working on that day. And by sticking to those daily standards, they achieve the goal and far beyond. Can you tell me when you began using standards and how they affected the relationships in your own life? Okay, I began to use standards um, that same evening, uh, November 2003, 
when the security guard asked me that 10 second question. And um, I wrote down my new standards for, you know, how I was going to be as a father, how I was going to be as a husband, the time I was going to be, as in not being in the office six, seven days a week, no more weekends, no whatever. I set a whole range of standards because the first thing for me was my family. I hadn't been there for my wife and kids. And therefore I set standards around those people. And the, the incredible thing is, is that day one, I'll let you into a, it's not a secret, I think I put it in the book, is that um, I wrote all my standards out and based on the area of the life I was focused on, I colour coded them. So all the daily standards, what I would do and how I'd be each day, not as a goal, how I was going to be that day. And I colour coded them and I laminated my, my daily standards. I gave a copy to each of my, my, to my eldest three children, my youngest was just a baby then, copy to the eldest three children and said, new dad, this is how I am right now. Not I'm going to be, it's how I am right now. I gave one to my wife and I said to her, new husband, this is how I am right now. And I got one and I stuck it on the fridge with a fridge magnet and so everyone could see this is who I am, not what I'm going to be. And um, it's, it's fascinating because you know, I changed, therefore they changed. Everybody around me, my friends and my family changed. You know, right, I didn't have many friends back then. Right now, I haven't got enough time to see the friends that I have. I'm blessed. As far as my family's concerned, because I set these new standards, I became the person I was meant to be for them. I became, I've got to say it myself, a great husband for my wife. I became a great father for my children because that's the person that I was, but I wasn't letting it, letting it out. I want to give some, some a caveat here around standards is that when we set standards for ourselves in any area of our life, we do have to be patient with people around us. Because if I, at 38, suddenly said, new dad, a new husband, new son, new brother, and all the rest of it, a new friend, they're going to go, that's great. Wish you all the best with that. But they're really thinking, I'm going to treat Derek the way I've always treated him, because that's who he has been. So when we set new standards for ourselves, beware that people around us will continue to treat us the way that they've always treated us, because they don't know what we're now doing. So we have to be patient with people around us until they realize, hold on a second, and they catch up to where we now are. They catch up to the person that we have now become. But if you've been with someone in a relationship for 10 years and you set new standards and you stick to them, just for, for, the, for the early part of that, the first few days, weeks, or maybe even months, they're going to still look at you the old way because that's who you used to be. Accept it. Be patient. Stick to your standards long enough to see what would happen if you did. Would you have any words of wisdom, say, for somebody listening in who is in a challenging place in their lives and looking to make changes? Apart from pray, um, I'm a Christian and I have a, a real strong uh, belief in the power of prayer. Um, but I'm also a practical guy, as I've mentioned. So getting on your knees and praying for me isn't enough. And I, I don't know, however that sounds, I apologize if I offend anybody by saying that. Praying on itself isn't enough. I think we have to take action. We have to pray and let God do his bit, whatever his intentions are. But we have to do our bit. We have to get up and make the changes and today be the person that we're praying for. Be the person that can solve the challenges that we want to have solved. To be the person that can make the changes in the world. Because that we, we know the challenges are out there for ourselves and others. To be that person today, not next week even, not even this weekend but just to be that person today. And if God gives you, my grandmother used to say, if God spares my life, but with a Jamaican accent, she used to say that. So if God spares my life, in other words, if she woke up the next day, she'd be herself that day as well. And that's what I'm really saying is that, yeah, pray. There's power in prayer. We all know that. That deep meditative type of prayer. But also 
the person that we know we genuinely are. Be brave. Be that person today. Because you're better for you as you. You're better for your husband, children, wife as you. You're better for the world as you. Even if you don't accept you right now, accept this one thing. You are better for the world, including your world, as you. So begin to be you just for today. Just try it out and see what happens try and stick with it. I know that um, in brief, that what a powerful lesson that I got was a few days ago on Tuesday, we celebrated um, the life of Rosa Parks because it was in 90, it was December the 1st, 1955, that she sat on that bus in Montgomery. And Rosa Parks, who we know, became the icon for the civil rights movement in America, because until that point, African-Americans said, one day, we're going to be treated this way one day, and go to the schools we want to, eat in the restaurants that we want, sit anywhere on the bus we want to one day. And we all look at those archives and those pictures and the marching with the plaques one day. And... December the 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks said, Nuh-uh, not one day. Six years ago, she said, today, today's the day. I'm going to have this, here's the standard of how I'm going to see myself. Here's the standard of how I'm going to be in this world, treat myself. And be. So she said, no. When the, when the chap who was white said to her, move to the back of the bus, she said, no, because it was no longer a goal. It was, this is how she's going to be. I'm, I'm as good as you, I'm as bad as you. I'm going to sit here and treat myself this way. I'm going to see myself in that new standard. We all know the story. But one of the things we should pay attention to is that when she set that standard, the world didn't see her yet at that standard. It's only when Dr. Martin Luther King took up her case and he became, way, he became the man that we know him because of Rosa Parks. It was when her case went to the highest court in the Supreme Court in America that eventually somebody said, this woman, Rosa Parks, she has the right standard. That's how we should treat all of these people, black, white, or any color of skin. And that's how we know the world changed. So those standards that we set in the day can literally change the world. Now, Barack Obama is in the White House. Martin Luther King became Dr. Martin Luther King the way that we know him because of the standard set, not the goal of one day, but the standard of it's today. There is only today to be your true self and stick to it. And someone, I believe, may set a standard and stick to it long enough and change their world or change the world. And for that, I pray. If anyone wants to find out more about your work, Derek, or even get in contact with you, how would they do it? Uh, the, the very best way is our website, dailystandards.com. So it's all one word, dailystandards.com. And you'll see stuff on there. It's literally uh, just been launched today, um, That's which is you know, quite fascinating. So it's, um, it's a brand new website, uh, dailystandards.com. And you can find us. The book, of course, The 10 Second Philosophy, um, is available on Amazon or you know, any good bookstore, but Amazon. Um, uh, do it and you know connect with us message us through the website get in touch share your stories of your standards what you've done what you've changed any queries that you've got get in touch you know i've been um coming to ireland for almost 27 years and um you know i'd be I'd, I'd, I'd be honored to know that in some way the work i was doing was helping people in ireland as well as other places around the world thanks so much god bless you same to you Derek. cheers yeah. bye Well, thanks for listening to another show of The Health Zone. Tune in next week for more exciting and interesting topics and guests in the areas of spirituality, relationships, finance, creativity, health, career and much, much more. In the meantime, check out and like our Facebook page on www.facebook.com 
forward slash the hellstone show or follow us on twitter on the letter d hellstone or log on to our website www.thehellstoneshow.com if you subscribe to our mailing list on there you will get the hellstone show delivered to your inbox every week and also you'll get a copy of our free book called how to transform your health in 2016 also if you have any feedback on the show or if you would like to get in touch with us our email is tune in at thehealthzoneshow.com well until next week have a fantastic healthy and happy week